everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another special episode of Make Ours Marvel, we like to call Marvel Mailbag. This is our 11th Make Ours Marvel Mailbag, and we are here to talk about all of the wonderful messages that you have sent with your emails and your comments on the website and your carrier pigeon notes and your um, weird anthrax lace letters. That one wasn't very appreciated, Tim. <laughs> He's going to call Tim out right away. He he just wants to be the new co-host. I mean, if you die. Yeah. But only if. Only if. We have a will. Um. So, yeah. So, we're just going to uh, read some emails, try to get through as many as we can before we just run out of energy. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, uh, who wants to start? You do, because I don't want to pronounce his last name, unfortunately. Oh, you don't want to pronounce Gunnar Lawhofer's last name? No. Okay. Well, it has, he, a, it has a letter in there I don't recognize. He uh, he writes in with the email titled "We want more than just a hundred. Okay, because you know last time you remember on our Make Ours Marvel mailbag we were going through the emails about how we had teased about quitting after episode one hundred, and we got a lot of response on this. So Gunner is saying. You asked for a hundred listeners to shout out in favor of your spectacular podcast, giving you the motivation necessary to venture forth past the 100th episode. Well, here's one. Thanks, Gunner. I appreciate it. (laughs) Really love what you do. Your show has become an integral part of my weekly routine and would be missed dearly when the podcast came to an end. You have such a great dynamic together, and I'm a big fan of that special dose of humor of yours when you are talking us through the books. It is entertainment at its best. Uh, Yeah, that, that, that. It's like warm fuzzies. Yeah, right? I guess we'll keep going. He says, by the way, has anybody told you before that you both have incredibly well-sounding voices? It's fun just listening to the both of you speaking. Of course, it is even better hearing you speak about my favorite topic. Therefore, thanks big time, guys, and please keep going. Cheers from Germany. Well, now that was just icing on the cake, right? Yeah. This is like, I already had really big warm fuzzies today because one of my students <laughs> posted a picture of me saying that uh-huh. I was her favorite person alive. And I was like, oh, I teach math to eighth graders and sometimes they even like me. That's Look, he even put an asterisk on it and said it was from episode 89 of the show. It's like, wow, that's really informative and helpful because we don't remember these things. We don't. We don't. So thank you, Gunnar. Yeah. All right. So okay. we have a comment, I think. Uh, is it from Trey Hooks? That one works, too, because this is the same date. How tough is Thor? Sure. Okay. Hey, John and Michael. It's been a while since I've written in, so I thought I would break down my thoughts on recent topics into hopefully smaller chunks. The most recent Thor in Nam story, episode 89, oh my gosh, had Michael wondering just how tough was Thor. For that answer, I turned to the TSR-produced Marvel role-playing game from the 80s. It was officially licensed and had a series of handbooks on characters in the... Original handbook of the Marvel, official handbook of the Marvel Universe style. He abbreviated it and I forgot what the acronym meant. There we go. Therefore, it could be considered a faithful canonical translation of the characters to some form of math or benchmarking and explanations. And I am down with that. I used to play that when I was a kid. But at the same time, can it? I don't know, but let's see. All of the characters in the game have a health total, similar to hit points in D&D. And for characters who could shrug off damage, they would have some version of invulnerability, body armor, etc. If you had a body armor or equivalent of good, you could ignore six points of physical damage from attacks. Your typical human had a health of 24 with no powers providing any extra protection. 
stab someone with a knife two to three times, a knife does 10 points of damage, and they're dead or dying. The typical unarmed Asgardian has a health of 124 and good body armor. They couldn't be hurt by the knife. You would have to use an automatic rifle or shotgun and then shoot them over 25 times repeatedly. Thor has 200 health and excellent body armor, on par with most named Asgardians. It would take machine guns to hurt Hulk, Hulk, Thor. When he is spinning his hammer, his protection becomes 30, meaning it would take the equivalent of a rocket launcher or bazooka to hurt him. And even then, you would have to shoot him over 20 times with it to put him down. I am generalizing. There are some specific shooting rules in the game. I am ignoring to keep this simple comparative match exercise. So, Thor is twice as tough as a typical Asgardian, and while he can be hurt by rocket launchers and the like, it would take too many shots to be an effective way of really taking down Thor. Now, I know what you're asking. How does he compare to the other two Marvel powerhouses during this era? The Thing has the same health, 200, but his body armor is 40. They have the same strength, hand-to-hand 75, but Thor gets higher damage with his hammer, 100. As a result, the Thing is doing 55 points of damage to Thor a round versus Thor's 60 points of damage per round. Thor would knock out Thing first, but it would be close. The Hulk is a different story. Hulk is naturally as strong as Thor with his hammer and has 215 health and 75 body armor. Thor is doing 25 points of damage per hit and Hulk is doing 80. Plus, Hulk's strength increases in times of stress. Thor should never stand his ground and go toe-to-toe with the Hulk. Hulk, strongest one there is. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's all interesting and it's cool. And I remember playing that game and liking all those things. Uh, Captain America gets a lot of bonuses for knowing like every martial arts in the entire world or something like that when it came to fighting, which I thought was cool. Uh, But yeah, you know, I don't think writers really reference that or care about that. And it just seems like I think I asked that question because it always seems inconsistent how much Thor cares about bullets. Mm -hmm. Is it a lot or a little or does he just smack them off with his hammer because he can't be bothered to be hit by them? Or does he? Maybe he doesn't know whether to worry about the bullets or not. (laughs) Or that, yeah. He never stands there like Superman and they just bounce off. He's always doing something. Right, right. Um, Well, before I read the next one, I wanted to go over to the, uh, what's it called? The reviews from iTunes. Because Mm -hmm. we... You know, sitting here in well, okay, it's not it's not us sitting in the U.S., but the way Apple does their podcasting services, you can't see reviews from outside of your country. And I was recently mm-hmm. um, exploring other websites. I just happened to come across this one called Chartable, which helps keep tab of where your podcast is on the different charts in iTunes, and they catalog your reviews from all countries. So. I'm going to go through, since we always, we, we love the reviews. We, uh-huh. we, we don't spend a lot of time begging for them, but we do love them. And so it just, it, it's worth my time to say thank you to each person who left a review. So this one is uh, first from Angus Livingston. This is back when we were early days. This is July of 2018. And uh, he says, it's a fantastic podcast, five stars. One of my go-to favorite podcasts I look forward to every week. Can't say enough good things about it. Michael and John are great hosts, giving humorous commentary on the mad moments of Marvel, as well as interesting analysis of character motivations and psychology as the heroes of Marvel begin down their paths from merely do-gooders and monsters to myths and legends. One of the easiest five-star reviews I've ever given. Nice. Where was that from? Uh, That was from Canada. Oh, okay. Very nice. 
Um, this next one's from Physico, also in Canada. This is October of 18. He says, this is an excellent way to get acquainted with the Marvel Universe or even just past the time. Michael and John have great rapport, and it comes through clearly all the time. It's a must-listen each week. That's five stars titled Great Entertainment. So thank you very much, Physico. Yes, verily. And this last one is from New Zealand, from Sailor Sega. I think we follow each other on Twitter. Uh, if the uh, They have a slightly different name on Twitter. I, I think I know who this is. Uh, four stars. An impressive reading project. This podcast is going through all the Marvel superhero titles, starting from Fantastic Four number one and going forward. Each episode is a little over an hour, but they have no set schedule. They just talk about however many comics they can in one hour in detail. They might have been early in our episodes when they left this review. (laughs) All right. It really is a great podcast. I enjoy it a lot. I have removed one star because they can't seem to stop looking at the comics from a 21st century perspective. While I agree there is some sexism in the 60s comics, they are a product of their time and should be judged as such. In 50 years time, people will probably look at comics being produced today and find all manner of problems with them that we don't even think about today. If this isn't a problem for you, even if it is, then download episode one and start listening. What do you think about that? Hmm. Well, I mean, I was, wasn't was even born in the 60s, so I can never look at it from a 60s perspective, I guess. Mm-hmm. I can only do it from my perspective, and I guess my perspective is now. I understand that, you know, things are more acceptable and, or different things were acceptable back then, and I'm not – I don't know. I hope I haven't come across as saying those guys were all horrible people or anything. I mean, that's just the way it was, I guess, but it doesn't mean we can't notice it. Yeah, I feel – I feel like I'm not so much condemning the stories or the writers for choices they made as saying that these could have been better choices and hopefully would be if they were made today. And yeah. also, we can't see growth or we can't talk about growth unless we talk about, you know, starting at a low point. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be fair, many of those writers who are still alive would not write that same thing today. So, right. That's just how, you know advancement works i guess and honestly while i think that they're correct that there's probably a lot of things about society that will change and grow over the next half century Mm -hmm. i i want to be the person who sees those problems and adjusts for them now you know Mm -hmm. in the 1960s whenever schools were segregated i would like to think i would have been a person who saw the problems in that you know um etc so right. I, I appreciate the, the 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 disagreement there. I just I think that it's kind of part of who I want to be on this show anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. So um, Tim Price has a comment for episode 90 from December 30th. Shall I read that? December 30th. Go ahead. Okay, this is for episode 90, the five stages of fury. Oh boy, Sergeant Fury 19, Agent X. That's a pretty mysterious name. It should be used more. Accountant X, hairdresser X, custodial engineer X. The possibilities are extensive. Ouch. <laughs> Strange Tales 134. This is the last thing. Torch story. Thing Torch song of so long. That was definitely something I read. And you guys talked about it. Yep. <laughs> right, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Dr. Strange's soul might as well be walking on the sun. That was pretty awesome. And I know not to apply science to the magic story, but I can't resist thinking, how fast can a soul travel? Is there a speed of soul? We have asked that about Xavier, I think, because 
remember that time he couldn't get back to his wheelchair fast enough or something? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, is there speed when it comes to ectoplasmic entities or whatever? Well, we don't right. know. I guess there is. Now start, I'm actually just now starting to think about what that would be. Like, is it some sort of like source, like from the body, whatever's letting your soul reach out also has to reel you back in? And I don't know. Like if Xavier can only walk as fast as he can walk, then Doctor Strange flying to the sun should have taken a really long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But apparently it didn't. So White-haired woman did much better distracting Dormammu than Betty Brant did in Amazing Spider-Man 25. Oops, I dropped my papers. I better crouch over here by the barrier holding the mindless ones and scoop them up. Hope I don't accidentally hit the switch that frees them. And they're out. Sorry, Big D. I kid, but it was very awesome to have her help Strange in an important way. That's like the one thing that she's done in the entire series. That one yeah, time that she helped Doctor Strange. Back when that story was still interesting, too. <laughs> he said, golly, John, I'm so sorry. I could swear you were saying the actor's name correctly. Haven't you been saying bed knob cucumber patch? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that gag. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Tales of Suspense 67, Iron Man versus the Master of Drano. No, no, this was lame. Powers were lame. Name was lame. Origin, if you could call it that, lame. Ugh. At least Pepper talked to Happy. Hey, any chance Happy's related to Crusher Hogan? Ooh, I bet they're cousins. Legitimately, that could be true. I I like that. I mean, has nobody done that yet? That seems so obvious. Kurt, Kurt Busiek, get on that. Yeah, right. Captain of Mesmerized. Yeah, Bucky was in top form this story, but if he doesn't stop that bullet on the final page with his hand and replace it with a bionic one, I'll be disappointed. You're disappointed. And congrats on reaching the big 9-0. Looking forward to the next 90 episodes. Until next time, or until Torch and Thing team up with a little girl and a big red dinosaur, make mine, make ours marvel. Wow. Big red dinosaur. I don't know what that means. I don't know Dinosaurs? I don't know. Wasn't Devil Dinosaur DC? Yeah, that's what I thought. So, not sure. How about Trey Hook's Ant-Man retrospective? Sounds good. I completely agree that Hank was cooler as Ant-Man. I think several things leads to his downturn as a character. Ant-Man should have been a cool utility character. Someone who could have the right thing at the right time or be used in a cool way. Instead, instead, Stan and Jack failed with the original Avengers. Yeah, I said it. A good super team, like a good role-playing team, needs a fixer. Yeah, needs a mix of roles. The FF works because you have a brick, the thing, a blaster, human torch, stealth defense, invisible girl, and utility, Mr. Fantastic. I feel like they put him on a team of bricks, Hulk, Thor, and to a lesser extent, Iron Man, then made him the least of the bricks. Any ideas on that one? I think that's fair. I actually think the original lineup was pretty kind of dumb, too, but I think I've said that. Um... I mean, until yeah. Cap came along, it was like, eh. Yeah, the the original team was, like you said, the bricks. You have four powerhouses. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little bit weird. There's not a lot of variety there. Ant-Man and Wasp work in the films because Jan is the hand-to-hand expert. Stock Scott is the infiltration expert. They have different roles. If Jan stood out by being stealthier, maybe more aggressive, and Hank was the brains, don't make Jan dumb. But if Hank is the real master of his environment and ant size and controls insects and her growth shrinks things in creative ways, this series would have continued to have legs. Yeah, Six of that them. could be. Yeah. Stan's generalizing all science to be equal the rise of Tony Stark. I think you've hit the point 
where they are blurring the lines between Tony being a millionaire head of a tech firm who is a brilliant engineer in his own right to being responsible for everything coming from Stark Industries, which made Stark the lead scientist tech person to the detriment of everyone except for Reed Richards. I mean, come on. Other than the armor, what has Tony developed better than Hank? How many times has Reed plagiarized from him? Heck, Stan keeps describing Banner's transformation as biochemical. Gee, too bad we don't know a genius biochemist to ask how to contain, control, cure his transformations. Let's go ask the engineers again. That's also a good point. It's like another thing he brings to the table is he's intelligent, yet we had Iron Man on the team also. So Yeah, way, 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 way down the road, he starts calling himself the Scientist Supreme, which is a little bit of a dumb name because, you know, he's just playing off of Sorcerer Supreme. But Hank does, Pym does? Yeah. Oh, wow. But it does make a good point. He is a scientist. He should be used in that light. I also like him calling out Tony Stark. It's almost like Tony has nobody working for him, except for people putting together stuff that he thinks up. Tony Stark made this thing in a cave with scraps and rocks. I'm not Tony Stark. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I just did, I just did a horrible quote. But um, I feel like when he turned to Giant Man, he was less sciencey, no? It's all about being giant. Um, we occasionally saw him working in his house because I remember that one shot of him like standing on the lower floor, but his body reaches up to the second floor. Um, but it was it was rare. It was like an opening setting. He'd be working on stuff in his house, but it wasn't used in the story. Yeah. Wasn't like our last favorite story from that series was when he I don't even remember what he accidentally did, but he had some bonkers shenanigans in his lab and he had to get out of them. And we I thought that was like, yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, so they should have maybe played up his intelligence and, I don't know, maybe that's why I missed Ant-Man, because Ant-Man was all about coming up with ideas. Anyway. Um, there was an email that came in just before that, also from Trey Hooks, called How Tough is Thor? Oh, we read that already. Yeah, of course we did. I just mm -hmm. forgot to mark it, and I'm just dumb, so I'm going to keep on going with Blaine Dowler. <laughs> yes. Using the complete Marvel reading order with a MO with Make Ours Marvel? Yeah. Yes. I don't know why I did that. My brain farted. Hi, guys. A few weeks ago, you guys talked about the complete Marvel Reading Order website online at marvelreading.com and how it was generally great, but that it wasn't totally useful for you because it didn't list titles in the publication order you use. That conversation inspired me to check the site out again for the first time in years. Got some good news for you, and possibly for your listeners. The site can arrange things in publication order for you if you want it to. Here's how. Create a free account unless you'd rather upgrade to a gold account to support the whole family of sites, because they have reading orders for Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, X-Files, DC Comics, and more, although some of those are less complete than others at the moment. Two, log in. Three, in the upper right, click My Account. Four, in the Order View Options section, change the sidebar feed order option to Publication Order. Five, at the bottom, hit save. This will arrange things in publication order. Sergeant Fury titles will still be in the WW2 order instead of the main order, but everything else will come up in the order you are using for the podcast. There are other options for other orders too. For example, Star Trek can be configured to show the in-universe order, which is the default setting, or the publication order, or to use only TV and movies or only books, ancillaries, etc. Very, very useful for that order. Star Wars lets you pick which canon you want, current Disney or EU, whatever. Mr. Starnes really does seem to have put together a rather powerful website, so I thought I'd make sure you knew about this option and give you another opportunity to sing his praises. Yeah, I did not know about that option. I'm definitely going to go play with that this weekend. Um, 
I did know about that option. And also, I think Sergeant Fury would show up in the right place if you go into the expanded order section, because that includes everything. Right, right. Not just World War II. So you would get um, you would get actual Golden Age stories and then Silver Age stories set in the World War II era. Um, well, no, if you were sorting by publication date, Fury would be right there amongst all the other. Oh, yeah, yeah, you just sort past all the 40s stuff. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, Complete Marvel Reading Order is a very powerful database. Uh, MarvelReading.com is the way to go. Uh, and that's that's where I, uh, you know, make our order for the show. Honestly, my favorite thing about it, as good as it is in terms of, like, information, there's plenty of – there's other places to go for information also. But I love that you can press that you've read it and then it gives you, like, little brownie points and badges and stuff. I don't know why. So since I'm reading all these Marvel for the show anyway, I've been doing that. And it's just neat to see, oh, I earned the Captain America badge. Or, Yay. Or whatever. It's like, how it's, much Captain America do you need before you earn the badge? And it'll tell you. It'll tell you you need to read so many stories at the bronze level when you earned it. And then the next one is the silver and then gold. And it's like, this is cool. And you can see like what characters you're reading a lot of. For us, it's Fantastic Four. Uh, initially, and now it's a lot of Avengers showing up. It's cool. I recommend it to anybody reading along because you might as well just click read or read. And, click and read we're button. all nerds. We love we love that shit stuff. Yeah, totally. Tim Price. Okay, Tim Price. Uh, how come it's not loading? I got a gun. Well, what is Tim Price's date? January five. Okay, go ahead because my next one's January seventeenth, so I must be missing something. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I don't have a January seventeenth, so. Another like gunner. Our, okay. Uh, this is a comment from the website. Mm-hmm. Tim Price is commenting on our Deadpool discussion, not comic special 20. Oh boy. I missed Deadpool's debut in New Mutants, but did buy the early X-Force issues in his miniseries. Uh, he says miniseries, miniseries. It's actually just miniseries. The singular and plural of series are identical. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much it. After the movie, I did a binge of his solo series and Cable slash Deadpool. They definitely made him skirt the line between anti-hero, mercenary, and villain. It was pretty entertaining, but I'm pretty much Dunpool. The movie was really funny, but I walked out thinking, I don't feel a need to rewatch that. A bit too icky for my taste, I guess. But hmm. I have a fun story to share. I was downsizing my comic collection at a three-day sci-fi fantasy convention and went to see the movie in the evening. The next day, a cosplayer dressed as DP asked me, have you seen this guy holding a bottle of Ajax detergent with the logo overwritten in marker by the name Francis? If I hadn't just seen the movie, I would not have gotten that. That was hilarious. Big kudos to that cosplayer. (laughs) I would love it if that cosplayer were listening. (laughs) That'd be awesome. I think of all the tangents during your conversation fit nice fit quite nicely with Deadpool in my humble opinion. Thanks for another fun not comics special gang. It is weird like yeah. I've seen Deadpool more than once but it is one of those movies where I don't necessarily feel the need to watch it a lot. Yeah, but agreed. I do like them. So, I don't know. Um all so right. I have a lot before January 17th. Just Okay. Like website comments. Go ahead. So, um we're going to go with episode 91 from Tim Price. This is on Cap's kooky quartet okay. with all the K sound letters rearranged. Fantastic 440. Oh, my God. Daredevil using his billy club as a rifle and looking down the sight. <laughs> I completely missed that. Why did he even build a sight on it? 
<laughs> do you think it, right? do you think maybe it was just to show off in front of other people? Maybe to throw him off because so, they don't have to know he's blind, right? Yeah. You know, I'm going to say that they didn't think about that because I'm sure that if they had, Stan would have put the balloon in there. The thought balloon. Of I'm course. I'm just going to use this site here to make everyone think I'm not actually blind. Right. Because Stan would want to feel clever, right? I think he Did just forgot too. But we could headcanon it. That's why. He's just trying to trick people. He is. Did you discuss if this is the first time Ben or anyone has quit the team? I haven't read all of the first year or two, so I need to get on that. But that's a big deal. Someone quitting or taking a break from the FF is a big trope of the comic, and this might be the first time. No. No, sorry. No. It was pretty Uh, early on. Early days when Human Torch left, when they discovered Namer, right? At the end of issue three, going into issue four, Johnny Storm has quit the team. Yep. And dudes. Dudes. The idea of Ben leaving and joining the Avengers is too perfect. And, and what if Steve Englehart had the same thought, which got him to write that very story in the first 10 issues of West Coast Avengers? I love that too much. I don't care that it's not likely. It's not my headcanon. That would have been pretty awesome because they talk so much about needing a strongman in those early kooky quartet days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, how great would that have been to just replace Hulk with Thing? That would have been fun. Did Englehart write West Coast Avengers? Apparently, I don't know. I remember I, the thing being on it. I have no, I have so little concept for that series. I just haven't read yeah. any of it. Yeah, but, I'm not so familiar with it either, other than when they crossed over. Yeah, there's so much 80s Marvel that I just haven't read. I feel bad. We'll get there. We're almost there. We're almost there. Uh, he says, speaking of Avengers 17, I didn't care of the Mole, mole Man deal. Love the Hulk panels threading through the issue. Oh, that's mm-hmm. the one where I had the Avengers story and the Hulk story interlacing. Because they were looking for him. Yeah. yeah. Rick's departure. I wonder if Stan forgot to give more of a goodbye moment in the dialogue somewhere. It did seem for both Hulk and Avengers, he would just disappear. He did. With, with little fanfare. I enjoy the evolution of Pietro and Wanda as characters in the Avengers, and it starts right here in small ways, like Wanda admiring Cap and Pietro's attitude to being an Avengers. It's really fun to revisit. Sadly, that didn't really have a whole lot of direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, Scarlet Witch has occasionally mooned over Captain America, but as a character, she hasn't really had any like personal moments. No, but then again, neither has Quicksilver, really. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Neither one of them it's, until it's been the it's been the Hawkeye show quite a bit. It really has been the Hawkeye show. I guess Quicksilver went from wanting to lead the Avengers to supporting Captain America against Hawkeye, but that's not a whole lot of a shift. And now they're doing their whole "we don't have powers" thing. Yes, because that means they're desperate because they can't come up with anything for them to do. Spider-Man 26, a really great issue, but I just don't have much to say about it. Although Peter buying a costume and it not fitting, having to web it repeatedly was a hoot. He's so intelligent, but can still be so dumb. Honestly, (laughs) I sympathize. I'm pretty dang old and somehow managed to still be dumb. And it ticks me off about myself, but it don't help none. Why am I talking like a gold prospector? (laughs) Only nine episodes to the big one zero zero. Me nervous. Until next time or until the Green Goblin has to fight his rival, the Green Goblin. Make mine, make ours, Marvel. I remember Ooh. that cover. Um, so my next thing is January 18th, and you have something for January 17th. I have another Gunnar, Gunner from 17th called uh, Sitarak. Hey, guys. First things first, my never-ending thanks to you for being this awesome and continuing to produce your amazing podcast. Since you repeatedly asked us to fill you in on things you were not aware of or get wrong in your episodes, we didn't. We weren't serious about that, but okay. I want to weigh in on Juggernaut 
Is it Citorac? Citorac? Whatever. I've never known how to say it. I think Citorac was the last thing I said, but it it can be whatever. Citorac from episode 92, X-Men number 12, Origin of Charles Xavier, etc. Citorac is a vastly powerful demon god who rules the Crimson Cosmos, a dimension in that he was banished in a tale untold so far. He created the Crimson Gem of Sidorak in order to bestow a part of his power on an avatar on Earth and place it in a temple dedicated to him, located in Korea. During their time in the Korean War, Kane Marco and his stepbrother, Professor X, found the temple, and by touching the gem, Kane was turned into the Juggernaut. The Crimson Bands of Sidorak that Doctor Strange uses for his binding spells are not the same as the gem. Yet... He calls them from Sidorak's lair in the Crimson Cosmos, and the bands are powered by the demon god's might. Hence, the spell can rightfully be considered black magic. Ooh. Okay. So it's the same power source, just in a different way. Tapping into the power of mystical beings like Sidorak and their realms is quite a thing in Marvel's use of magic. One interesting modern-day example can be found in Uncanny Avengers, the 2015 issues number 28 and number 29. Dr. Voodoo, with the help of the Scarlet Witch, conjures minions from the Crimson Cosmos to help with the rebuilding of the once-again-destroyed Avengers Mansion, and by this, accidentally also calls forth the Juggernaut, who is by his magical origin tied to that dimension. Wanda's chaos might or might not have influenced that spell. That's an interesting idea. Here's an article that has a great list of Dr. Strange's invocations and the connected mystical beings, including the Crimson Bands, and it was on CBR, and it's an article called What's a Hogoth Doctor Strange's Greatest Invocations Explained? So you guys can just Google that, and it'll probably show up. Please keep the magic of your show happening, and until – magic of your show? I see what he did there. And until Colossus beats <laughs> the Juggernaut by deciding to fight back dirty, make mine, ours, Marvel. Cheers from your German nerd. Yay. Awesome. That was interesting stuff. Yeah, Um it's easy to get, you know, you have that one name, Sidorak, you know, and uh-huh. it gets kind of confused. So realizing what the differences and distinctions are there is helpful. Yeah. I'm sure all got fleshed out over time. So I appreciate kind of giving us a heads up on how that goes. Yeah. Um, I have some comments from January 18th. I don't know what your next thing is dated. February 7th. So go ahead. Okay. Well, I'll be reading for a while then. <laughs> Shoot. How am I not getting these? Anyway, go ahead. Uh, I'm on the website. I know that you used to get emails about the comments from the website, but I never did get this. I don't know. So I'm just on the website looking at the comments page. Okay. Tim Price from Make Ours Marvel Mailbag 7. That was four whole mailbags ago. Oh, boy. Maybe He's commenting on commenting? (laughs) Feedback on the feedback? Oh, no. That's when somebody somebody unmutes in the... Zoom call and it just starts screeching because there's an echo. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe we should let Tim do all of our sign-offs. He says, no, nope, nuh-uh. Some weeks I struggle to come up with anything. So while usually they're real, occasionally I'll make something up I think is funny, but not from the comics. Like maybe one out of ten. And boy, it's hard to think of one relevant to the issues at hand. My hat's off to you guys for doing that every week. Enough said. That's all, John. I don't have to do that at all. Nor am I Um, going to. <laughs> it's 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 a fun shtick, you know. I like to have a little shtick in there. Remember, um, was it our Captain America show, or was it the uh, Xavier's podcast? There was some podcast I was doing with somebody where I was trying to work in a Star Trek reference into every episode. I didn't even bring attention uh. to it. I was just trying to do it. Um, 
And there's another series I was doing with somebody, a short-lived one, where I was like, we get to the cover. I was like, okay, this is one of my favorite covers. And I said that every time we talked about the cover. <laughs> Anyways, I like sticks. Okay, so yeah. Tim Price also on January 18th, episode 92, when Sergeant Fury joins with his mighty shield. Strange Tales 135, Nick Fury begins. I want some Chris Nolan music. I was yeah. gobsmacked that LMDs were introduced in the very first story. Mm-hmm. In my head, they would have been used after a cliffhanger issue with Fury's dead. And in the next issue, nope, this new thing called an LMD was killed. I'm fine and dandy. And here's a fist in your mug. But Boy, we see they literally it. just did that in the latest issue we covered. That is true. That is true. But we see them out of the box. Wow, no wonder the series is revered. Everything that made S.H.I.E.L.D. cool is here. Helicarriers, flying cars, Hydra, and Fury's flurkin' eye patch. Yep. <laughs> Doctor Strange is still running. But I don't mind. Yes, it's been a while. I'm really digging it. Using his cape to animate the armor was brilliant. Followed by Steven socking Mordo's Muppet in the gut with his hand. The hand that was injured and led him to become a sorcerer. <gasps> I didn't think about that. Mm. I still question him punching people in general, but not enough to ruin the whole thing. As for why didn't he mesmerize those demons before? I'm expecting it's a case of they won't fall for that again. So he has to keep using different tricks each issue. I'm on board with that. That works. X-Men 12. More like the jugger. Not. Am I right? Huh? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not wrong, Tim. <laughs> He says, I read this on Marvel Unlimited, and his legs are colored there. It's supposed to be shorts, right? I feel yes. cheated. Yeah, they're they're hindsighting themselves on that one. Yeah. They were well, definitely shorts. You also get Galactus's three different outfits over three different issues in that first story. He, he has Christmas colors, and he has shorts, and he has long... Yeah, it was, it was weird. Yeah. He says about the X-Men, this was definitely a comic. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that way about the X-Men often. I guess there's something to making the whole issue build the dread of facing this unstoppable menace, but the traps were silly. Professor X's origin was okay, but not great. And the final page didn't deliver the payoff needed. A full page splash would have done the trick, but no sigh. Not even a half page for old juggernaut. Poor guy. They, I feel like they've figured it out. Like we're going to be recording uh, next weekend, uh, the Thor King Size Two, and there's a full page destroyer reveal in that that'll just kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that Magneto full page reveal a few issues after this Juggernaut one. I feel like they're starting to get the idea. For sure, we want to have the art pouring into our eyeballs. They're letting the art breathe more. Uh, Thor 118, the destroyer is destroying with all the destroy. That's pretty wild. Gotta say, Loki's realization, wait, this might be bad for me. And that's been the plot of every single Loki story to date. Did he really think Odin wouldn't catch on who was behind any of the previous attacks on Thor eventually? I mean, sure, Odin's pretty awful, but even he would have checked his Odin scanner and seen, hey, that absorbing man guy was powered up by magic. Loki, you got some splaining to do. To be fair, Loki never got close to winning before, so he probably just panicked from success. Every time he gets close to winning, he like reveals how evil he is to everyone, and they all forget <laughs> right. it the next time around. Right. Uh. Of course, right now it's Odin nappies, and when he wakes up, he'll be hungry in time for O dinner. Insert Fozzie Bear Jeff here. Huh? Huh? Waka waka waka. Another fun time, guys. Until next time, or until Shield is wiped out by its cockroach problem. Make mine, make ours, Marvel. Okay. If that's a reference, I don't know it. I don't get it either. 
Okay, I've got a January 21st one here. Okay. Tim Price, episode 93, Aquatic and Erotic. Whoa. Tales of Astonish 70, Namor's first story surprised in one specific way. Lady Dorma. Mm -hmm. I know her completely from stories after she died. Oh. Spoilers. I was going to say, spoilers. Jeez. I honestly, I know that she dies, and I know that it's sometime either late silver or in the earliest Bronze Age. Mm -hmm. I just don't know when it happens. So I haven't looked it up. I don't know the issue. It's going to happen unexpectedly at some point. Okay. So I'm stunned that Namor is practically uninterested in her, treats her awful, and she in turn isn't much better. This is the great love of Namor's life? Yeesh. Even now when they love each other, I mean, right now they're on the outs because of Krang, but... <sighs> They've had zero love moments so far. Yeah. It's all it's, off panel. It's I love you, well, I don't love you back, and then it's, oh gosh, I guess I do love her back, let me go rescue her, and then he's mad at her now. It's like they've never they're, had a date. They're super reserved. They never actually like show their affection. Mm-hmm. Tales of Suspense... Oh, sorry. Uh, still Astonished Hulk. Banner's dead, but gets better thanks to Rick and a gamma ray gun. And now he's Bruce Brain with Hulk Bulk. Yes. I could swear this is the first time we see the matter I get, the stronger I get. No changing when he gets too excited. Bruce, Bruce, uh, sorry, Brulk, which is Bruce Hulk, wants to get excited, i.e. angry. Big moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember talking about the first time we were seeing matter I get, stronger I get. But I don't know if it was that, but I can't yeah, I remember. Know. I feel like it's, it's established, but it's not used very often at this point. The matter he got, the more he turned into Bruce Banner for a while. Yeah, that was that was that was a thing. Yeah. Tales of Suspense '68: Iron Man versus the Master of Dree. I mean, Count Nefaria. This yep. story was just not good. No. Iron Man goes inside a hologram of a rocket. What? And Tony sees a spaceship outside his window, but no one else at all of Stark Enterprises does. Not even the security guards at the gates. How did Morgan manage to time that? And the actual aliens, oh god, green, not hulks, from the moon named Gouda and Edam. I'm sure you can hear my eyes rolling. Yikes. Sounds awful. I don't even remember reading that one. I do remember that one. It was, yeah, th- that one introduces his cousin, Morgan Stark. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Morgan's trying to get money from him or something. Mm-hmm. And then Afari is back next issue, back in his old clothes again. Mm-hmm. Captain America. Yay, he doesn't shoot the Allies' commander. And Cap also knows exactly how to overload a top-secret weapon that hasn't been fully tested. Sure. Okay. Um, super soldier brain. He knows how to do a lot of things. He just he just knows, man. Yeah, it's intuitive. I think I remember that vanishing gun from the Marvel superheroes cartoon. So that's fun in itself. But the bad guy having gas capsules taped to his armpit? I had no idea the Nazis used Nair for men. Um, <laughs> ow? <laughs> All, I, all good things are developed for more. I keep getting these Facebook ads for hair dissolving ointments, mm. like to rub into your face or head or whatever to like dissolve all the hair off. I'm mm. just like, okay, what are they trying to tell me? Because right? I think I should feel insulted. <laughs> you keep typing the word beard. That's why. I guess. Tim goes on to say another crazy thing. The vanishing gun reminds me of a story from a Twilight Zone comic I used to have. This boy genius created a ray beam which could make things disappear and he tested on his toys. But then his parents, in typical bullheaded fashion, barge into his room, demanding to know what's going on and stumble right into the beam. 
The boy mm. just thinks they're gone, but Rod Serling assures us the parents are now trapped in a distant world, which isn't much better with no way home. Oh, that wacky Twilight Zone always bringing the chuckles. Yep. Getting closer to the big one zero zero. Until next time, or until Namor discovers a room full of dormas. Would that be a dormitory? <laughs> God. <laughs> make mine, make ours, Marvel. Okay, Tim, I, I love your brain. I feel like we share some brain cells here. This is fantastic. Okay, February 7th, is that what you have? Ditko's Last Goblin. From Tim Price? Yep. All right. It's, up, it's all you. Yeesh, it's been longer than usual between my time listening to this episode and writing my feedback, so I don't remember what I wanted to say. And now it's awkward, where I can't send nothing, because it'll be like, why didn't Tim write in for this episode? Did we offend him? Is he sick? Did he fall asleep in the back of a truck and get brainwashed by supervillains? Is he wearing a disguise and an eye patch to avoid us? Why are you ghosting us, Tim? So in the name of our friendship developed by me sending barely comprehensible diatribes, I'll think of something. Hmm. Maybe. Er... Oh, wait, I got it. FF number 41. Reed's sure a jerk to Sue. And Medusa was awesome playing guys against each other. Really? That's all? Uh, no, of course not. I also got Spider-Man number 27. I think I've read this issue before, but hardly remember it. The twist that Foswell was neither villain. I'm sorry. The twist that Foswell was neither villain was really great. You're not really trying, are you? Hold on, hold on. Also, Avengers number 18. I agree this story with the he must be a robot was so hokey, but love Wanda getting to save the day. Not a bad showing for women this time around. Sheesh, just wrap it up. Fine. Until next time, or until Namor loses his memory while in the Pacific Northwest, because memory problems. Get it? Get it? Make mine, make ours marvel. I don't the Pacific get it. Northwest, like in Oregon and Washington? I don't understand. They have memory problems there? Namor has memory problems everywhere. Well, yeah. Sorry, Tim, we missed that one. I don't understand. We're still friends. Yeah. What do you have next? I have not. uh, uh, February 7th, X-Men Apocalypse by Tim also. Okay. Uh, Why don't you take that one and I'll take the next long one. All right. I've only seen this movie once and don't remember it too well. That probably sums up my feelings right there. Was part of the story that Psylocke died or disappeared and was replaced by Mystique? So for a last act of the movie, Olivia Munn was actually playing Mystique as Psylocke rather than Psylocke herself. And did it matter? Not really, but Munn simply nailed the look for Psylocke, which made me happy. Yeah, she basically was Psylocke, not Psylocke in the end or something, if I remember. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, you three are almost done with this X-Men movie journey. Now I have the sads. Thanks, gang. Well, we're still not because New Mutants never came out, so that's ongoing. Yeah, New Mutants is supposed to... I guess it's coming out this Friday as we're recording this. But, is um, it? But we don't know how yeah. or why or where. Just in theaters. Oh, and well, I don't we're not going to go the there. Nope. I, have, I had been thinking that Corona was transmittable through uh, sweat as well as breath vapors, and it's not. So I'm not as timid of the theater as I was because nobody's going to be there anyway. But I'm still not going to go. Um, I do think it's going to be streamable after like the 17 day contractual uh, theater run. So we'll probably be able to get to see it soon. I don't even know if our state allows theaters to be open, but I don't know. I haven't looked. Okay. February 8th, Tim Price, episode 95, Marvel Pop-Tart Productions. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if we commented on the fact when it went back to being comics. What? Remember how the comics became Pop-Art Productions? Oh, no. I, didn't. And after I don't think we noticed. 
it, well, it was in this it was in this episode. Um, it, it says it has a Marvel Comics on the top left corner. It starts saying Marvel Pop Art Productions, and I don't mm-hmm. think I remembered to say when it stopped doing that. It was only for like four months of comics, but oh well, yeah. that, that's forever ago. Finally, a podcast about the truly important things in life: Pop Tarts. I'm a blueberry fan myself, but some days I just gotta have a strawberry with those rainbow sprinkles. A cup of hot chocolate on the side, and I'm good to go. What a great treat while reading some comics. Do you have a favorite Pop-Tart? Um, definitely something with frosting on it. I don't know if I care outside of that. Uh, my wife's dad hates the frosting ones. He's like, I want oh. old school Pop-Tarts with no frosting on them. Oh, God. When we were kids, it was all about the chocolate Pop-Tarts. Oh, see, I don't know if I care about that either. So let me rephrase. I want frosted and I want fruity. That's it. Yeah, they did these that were like purple frosting. They were wild berry. Uh-huh. I, don't know if they, I don't know how long they made them, but they made them for a while. And, and we started getting those all the time. Yeah. He says, hey, speaking of comics, Journey into Mystery with Thor, Annual One, The Mighty Hercules. While there wasn't much of a story, it was a fun intro. Main take, Herc's manskirt was really short, like dangerously short. Also, the bridge scene seemed like the Robin Hood Little John bit. I think I'll call you Little Herc. And now I'm worried about the man skirt again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to see Little Herc. No, keep, keep I bet he doesn't away. call that thing Little Herc. No, I'm sure he doesn't. I I'm bet sure he calls he it Zeus. That's just my opinion. <laughs> I'm just not going to comment. <laughs> <laughs> but then that means he's naming it after his dad. So I don't know what kind of psychosis that is. Right, but anyway, right. let's keep going. So, also, kind of interesting that Asgard is Kirby-style technological city. And Olympus is this like pastoral community, Metropolis versus Smallville. Ooh, I kind of didn't notice that, but then later we got a better Olympus, which was not really that. It was just a different sort of Kirby style technology. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man Annual Two. It really should bother me that Spidey took the whole falling into another dimension thing in stride rather than freak out. His stories have been street level crime dramas until now. And some sci-fi-ish adventures, but no fantasy magic settings yet. But it doesn't bother me. It's either Spidey's so cool he just rolls with anything, or maybe there's a missing thought balloon of Peter thinking Doctor Strange and the bad guy were pulling mysterio-type tricks. Peter does seem more like one of the Scooby gang debunking the mystical than a believer. Well, if he was joking during that business, then he was truly frightened. So, because that's how he works. That but is also how he sometimes works. he's joking and he's just joking. So, take it or leave it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like the idea, though, that he should have said something mm-hmm. while he's there. It's like, oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, because, like, early days, I think we commented on, like, how people aren't caring about all these different alien attacks that kept happening every issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I guess we're all just taking everything for granted, like everything's possible, and every character knows that somehow. Even though, yeah, Spider-Man shouldn't really know about the negative zone yet. Or things like that. But I do remember reading stuff like whenever he goes to in space with Avengers, he's like, oh my gosh, we're in space. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, Spidey, we do this every third issue. Yeah. Hey, you could say that both annuals were team ups. No shared foe for Thor and Hercules, but they did the first half of the fight first and work together afterwards. They only did the first half for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thor 119. So Loki saved Thor's life at the beginning of the issue. That can't be overstated. The Destroyer would have killed Thor at the start, but Loki thought he'd pun- he'd be punished by Odin. Okay, first, Loki is way too confident in how well he covered his tracks from his previous schemes. Second, it's Odin. 
Dang it, Loki, Thor's dead and I know you did it, and I'm so cross with you. Off to your room, and no pudding for dessert. But Odin, I didn't do it. Oh, you god of mischief, I believe you. Here, have a double helping of pudding. That's it. That's exactly how it goes. Also, where's my pudding? I want pudding. Yeah, right? Chocolate, please. With whipped cream I bet, on it. I bet Tim said all that just to make us want pudding. I think it worked. But Thor's fight with the Destroyer was pretty awesome. Loved it. Until next time, or until Spidey and Doctor Strange both join the Avengers, make mine, make ours marvel. What? That can't happen. February 14th, Cat Borden? Um, yes. Has something. All right. NCOs versus officers. Ooh, here we go. Our ignorance of the military. Inspiring letters. Hey, sending in an email because I actually have something to contribute to the conversation. In the most recent episode, hey, Tim sends this stuff all the time and has zero to contribute. So you guys just go ahead and write whatever you want. <laughs> in the most recent episode, 97, Shaving a Haircut, you briefly talked about your confusion on NSOs versus officers and brought up the example of O'Brien being lower ranked than Nog. This is actually directly referenced in Deep Space Nine. In the episode where Nog is accepted to Starfleet Academy, near the end, O'Brien chuckles, and when another character asks him why he's laughing, he says, I just realized when he graduates, I'm going to have to call him Sir. Now that she quotes that, I remember that moment. I totally do, too. As far as... uh, Actuality goes, though, it gets a bit more complicated. I have some personal experience with this as a veteran, but basically there's what the rule book says and then there's what is actually the truth. To give an example, the highest ranking NCO in the U.S. Army is the sergeant major of the Army. Their job is literally that they are the person in charge of all non-commissioned and enlisted soldiers in the entire army. They technically are outranked by a lieutenant with no years in the service. This means that theoretically a lieutenant could walk up to a sergeant major of the army and order them to do push-ups. In practice, though, who do you think actually has the power? The lieutenant who is attending briefings with four-star generals on a daily basis or the upstart pipsqueak who happens to have his butter bar, slang term for the insignia of a low-ranking lieutenant. That kind of dissonance between theoretical and actual power continues down the line a pretty far ways, but in practice, it's just something that you get a feel for as a service member, and it normally doesn't end up being an actual conflict because in a functioning military unit of any size, the officers and NCOs know how to support each other and divide their actual duties to avoid conflicts, even if to an outsider it can appear like a tangled mess. I guess the easiest way I can sum it up would be When considering the power dynamics of an NCO versus an officer, consider the rank of the officer the NCO directly reports to and ask yourself if that person would be ticked off if an officer of a certain rank giving, quote unquote, their NCO an order. If the answer is yes, the NCO has a good deal of practical power as a person acting as an agent of the officer they directly report to. I love that analogy. Yeah. Or that, that way of judging. Yeah, it's pretty that great. Makes, that makes a lot of sense. So, yes, technically they are the boss, but they're not because they would never do that. The, the, the kind of idea I'm getting from her email is um, regardless of rank, everyone has jobs to do in a unit. Mm-hmm. And probably those jobs are somewhat determined by their rank. Mm-hmm. But once you're assigned to the jobs and you have your place in the unit, like you have your place. And mm-hmm. that's that's how things are going to go. I don't, I don't know that pulling rank even really would come up very much unless it just had to. Right. That makes sense. And, you know, who who is Nog to 
probably and he's I don't believe he ever did this in the epi- any episodes either. But how would Nog like not follow O'Brien's lead when it came to engineering things? You know, right, right, right. And Nog was a good kid, so he yeah. he, would, he would definitely defer if needed. Yes. Um. Okay. So in my email list, the next thing I have is from the 18th, but in my comments list, mm-hmm. I've got some Tim Price from the 15th. Me too. All right. So Tim Price, episode one, the time has come. What? What, Tim? Tim, what are you doing? Are you Tim? listening to these episodes out of order? Because I never realized that about you. Just listened to the first episode. If Mike really came up with a synopsis idea on the spot, that's fantastic. Not a pun. It's one of the things that sets the show apart, and I love it. And it's quite a trip to hear you guys back at the beginning of this project just as funny as ever. It also shows that, like my comic collecting, I never manage to start at the beginning. It's always join late, then catch up. Until next time, or until scrolls lose the ability to change their shape, make mine, make ours marble. I didn't make that up on the spot. I thought about it, but I did not share my idea with John, and I put him on the spot. So that's how that worked. But that was intentional. And we've yeah, since, like, we since stopped doing that. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I started cheating really early on and I just didn't uh, want to admit to it on the microphone. <laughs> yeah. I think it took me a little longer, but I cheat now too. Yeah. So no it's more getting, blind synopses. It's getting too, too complicated. Right. Um, okay. Shaving a haircut. I have eat all your liquid and seaweed. Is that February 17th? I have 15th. Okay. You first then. Okay. Uh, you know, your squid and seaweed. Sorry. Tales to Ast- oh, This is from Tim. Tales to Astonish 71. Submariners, squid, and seaweed. Is it weird that no one has ever completed this quest? And yet, Krang seems to know exactly where Namor needs to go on every step. I think he's falling in with, like, Star Trek cameras or something. But I can't remember now. He uh, He's tuning in on his ankle wings. Yeah. Aren't the individual parts only learned as you go? So how can he put obstacles in his way before? Oh, good point. He did do that. Not that this is the first story I've seen this in, but it's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> Just one line. Ah, Dorma, you deserve better writing than this. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> That's true of all of them, probably. It was an interesting idea in the 90s Namor series that oxygen levels produced his mood swings. At least they didn't make caused by blood sugar levels. How dare you, Imperious Rex? Quick, someone get Namor a candy bar. Hmm, sorry about that. Who wants another game of Yahtzee? <laughs> hey, Can that's a real pl- thing. The uh, candy bar needs or no, blood sugar the, levels? The blood sugar levels and mood, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay, Seaweed Man. He totally looks like the JLA foe, the Shaggy Man, but with seaweed for hair, and now he's even more ridiculous. I don't know that I've... Yeah, I, I know I've seen The Shaggy Man because I've read like the first hundred plus issues of JLA. Um, but I did not put those two together whenever I was reading it. Hmm. Hulk and the Sunday Puncher Bomb. Three panels before the bomb goes off, the Hulk has leapt into the air carrying Rick. You'll never get far enough away in time. Don't be too sure, Rick. Our speed's increasing every second. Um, pretty sure that's not how the physics of jumping works. <laughs> Your speed decreases as you go up because gravity. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the whole, they're not really jumping. They're flying. They just call it jumping thing. Yeah. 
Then there's Hulk giving Rick artificial respiration. I've taken CPR training many times, and we mere mortals must provide a complete seal around the person's mouth and close their nose so the air inflates the lungs. But Hulk's lungs are so strong, I guess he could blow hard enough without needing a full seal. But I think pinch the nose would still be important. I'm thinking the creator's standard Jack didn't want it to look like Hulk and Rick were kissing, so instead it looks like Hulk is spitting at him. Live, Rick. Live. Yeah, because that's better. Hulk's lungs being super powerful would not negate the need for a seal, would it? I mean... Actually, I don't think that Rick is strong enough to blow enough pressure into the Hulk's lungs to make them expand, I would guess. I think it's the other way around. I think Hulk's giving Oh, Hulk is giving CPR to Rick. Okay, I don't even remember the story. I'm guessing that Stan and Jack just didn't really know CPR concepts very well. Yeah, I don't probably, know. Probably. Fantastic 442. Dang, I love Medusa playing all the guys against each other. From her first appearance, Kirby made her look incredibly beautiful. He wanted the readers to believe she could control men just because. So this is great. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Johnny is under Wingless's control. No, he beat the hypnotizing because flames. Strange <laughs> Tales taught me one thing. It's that flames can do anything you want. Johnny flamed it. <laughs> yep. Yep. I believe it. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was the one where they they end the issue letting you think he's under control and the next issue is yeah. not. And they don't really ever explain that, do they? I, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either, but probably flames. And lastly, Sue freeing Reed from the bottle was excellent. I wish she hadn't passed out afterwards, but hey, I'll take it. Right. I'm rem- I'm remembering the stuff he's talking about. It's recent enough. Yeah, we're getting there. At Lots least we're of in this fun- year now. Right. Lots of fun, guys. Until next time, or until the Hulk gives the Heimlich maneuver to himself, make mine make ours marble. All right. I have February 17th. Shave and a haircut? Shave and a haircut. Tim Price. Spider-Man number 28. I've read Molten Man's second appearance in a Treasury edition back when I was a kid, but not his origin. Now you feel complete, I bet. I dug the parallel with Spider-Man's origin, but it was just okay overall. The real standout was Ditko's cover. Love it. And maybe just me, the splash page on page one was interesting for having Peter not in costume. It was completely consistent with the story, but just atypical to have Peter rather than Spider-Man. Peter's graduation, in addition to Liz Allen's remarkable normal feelings that it's time for a change in her life, Peter doesn't even remember her name right. It's in a thought balloon on page two. There's Liz Hilton. That's I un- remember seeing that, yeah. That's unintentionally perfect symbolism for Liz as Peter and Peter's relationship. All this time, and he still gets her name wrong. Wow. Uh, Strange Tales 136. Love the super spy hijinks. The agent of color being done right is excellence. Excellent, and the manicurist agent was also portrayed as quite competent. Who would have thought Nick Fury's shield would be the bastion of representation in comics? Can I interrupt you? There's like a banging in the background. Is there? Yeah, it's gone now. I don't know. How far does Hydra's police... I'm sorry. How far does Hydra's policies to failure apply? This Starbucks coffee is cold. You must defeat your successor or die. But I'm a 17-year-old intern. Accept no mercy, Christy. <laughs> this is true. How much failing is actual failure? I have always kind of hated, like, and that's a Darth Vader thing, like, you know, just killing your subordinates. Like, who would work for you? I don't know. I feel like the devil would be more charming somehow. But and going anyway. back to his, his Strange Tales comments with the people in the barbershop. Mm-hmm. And the uh, um, agent of color, as the phrase he used, mm-hmm. those same three characters have come up a few times. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that that 
It's a consistent character design. And mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. Doctor Strange. I don't get the confusion, guys. Everyone can tell he's saying eternity with a capital E. It's right there in the word balloons. Oh, wait. The whole word is lettered in capitals. Um, Never mind. Hey, how about Cape coming to the rescue? That was great. I love Cape doing the rescue. Tales of Suspense 69. We have finally... We can finally have the team up I've been waiting for. Magneto and Titanium Man. And then he links to a song called Magneto and Titanium Man by... Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, which I've never heard, so I don't know. Ooh, the idea that Natasha Black Widow might have been intended for this issue. I like that a lot. FYI, there is a story much later that links Natasha and Boris. Yes, really. Insert moose and squirrel joke here. I must not have paid enough attention before, but it tickles me to see Tony recharged by plugging a cord into his iron nipple. Lord, I'm the oldest eight-year-old alive. It's on page two. What the heck? Page two. Get it together. Uh, Captain America. Oh, when are they going to fix Bucky's costume? It's driving me nuts. That's the in reference to the bad coloring that they're doing. And okay, we have a scientist who's invented a shrinking ray a couple of decades before Hank Pym, and it's going to be used solely to catch to capture Cap and Bucky. I'm pretty sure there's other uses for such a device. But hey, comics. Actually, even lamer than that, he didn't even use it to capture Cap or Bucky. So that was just nowheresville. Right. That entire thing. Uh, Avengers number 19, Cap's quartet is cooking now. Fun and loving the dynamics of the team. Yes, Mike, trick shot is a real thing. Introduced in the series Solo Avengers, headlined by Hawkeye in 1987. You guys will get there soon enough. But just for me, both Swordsman and Trickshot worked at the same circus. Swordsy took in Hawkeye and then had Trickshot teach him archery. Kind of an important detail if that's how it really happened. But when Hawk doesn't but then Hawk doesn't strike me as a detail kind of guy. Yeah, I'm still well, up in the air on all that too. Well the whole thing was that Swordsman taught Hawkeye everything he knew. That's yeah. the whole that's the whole nature of that dynamic and that issue. And then he also had somebody else teach him archery. And then also Swordsman revealed himself to be a villain and it shocked Hawkeye because he didn't know. <gasps> and yeah. I swear Trickshot has the exact same story because I had that solo Avenger. Right. So, and they're both purple. They're all purple. Okay. I can't stand the violets. <laughs> Three episodes to the big 100. Stop joking about that being the end of the show. It makes me sad. Until next time or until Hawkeye ditches his costume to wear a skirt. Make mine, make ours marvel. Dude, I wish I could wear skirts. I wish it were socially acceptable and fashionable for me to wear skirts. Because it's a, really hot in the summertime. You could go to school in a one of those male Star Trek skirt uniforms from TNG. I could. And then I, when they tell you to change, be like, no, this is my officer uniform. And you could be like that lady from Trekkies that goes to court and uh, yeah. fights I remember for exactly what you were talking about. Yep. Fights for her rights to wear a, a pleated skirt, TNG style. Um, I have Bobby Berea, Stan yep. versus Steve. Yep. See if we can get to the end of February. Yeah, let's shoot for February. Guys, guys, you know I love you, but I am not buying all the Stan sliding Ditko angle. The next issue blur that focused on Nick Fury sounds like they're trying to sell the next strip and the strangest superhero of all. Uh, yeah, I really think that just has to do with the fact that he's Dr. Strange. I really do. I know there was a beef between them, but I think you're off on this one. Stan kept riding the dog for a while after Ditko left. He included Doc, I think I've mentioned before, in Origins of Marvel Comics, which to my mind was Stan naming the good doctor as one of the five pillars upon which Marvel was built. Unlike, say, Ant-Man or the X-Men. 
And then, of course, he promptly claimed total credit for making Doctor Strange, but, well, that's lame. <laughs> you could be right. I mean, we don't know. We don't know any of it. Yeah, I will say that, you know, I, I'm only bringing up stuff that felt natural at the time. So the fact that I was right or wrong, I honestly never know. It's just, you know, could it have been that way? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to read into it. It just kind of came into my head. I have a Bobby from February 21st. Yes. Okay. First off, I personally love extra long episodes. Go for it. Well, that's good because we've ruined the whole hour thing a long time ago. Mm-hmm. The Molten Man becomes much cooler later. Okay. I think his next appearance is number 132, and that's a great little two-parter. And Molten Man gains the added dimension of being, you know, molten, like he's burning up. We have had two Molten Mans, and I don't think the next one was 132 because we haven't got that far, have we? No, you may have just forgotten. I, I, I honestly don't know, though, if he comes back again before 132. I'm surprised y'all didn't like Spider-Man Annual. I actually think all your criticisms are spot on, but I just find that story super entertaining. The Destroyer... Oh, go ahead. I, I want to like it. I just, while I'm reading it, I'm just kind of like, oh. Yeah. The Destroyer is one of my favorite Thor bad guys. Every time he appears, I gotta have it. I can see that. Yeah. This was a sneaky, excellent episode, fellas. Michael's low-key chastising Cap for splitting his focus between the CIA and leading the kooky quartet is why I love this pod. Thanks for giving a damn. Eight-year-old me appreciates you. Didn't Tim call himself eight also? Everybody is reading comics at eight. I'm taking an extended break from social media, so sorry about the lack of retweeting or Facebooking. That's okay. That's, That's a okay. Good, it's a good thing to do from time to time. We need our breaks from the internet mobs. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the question is, which of these February 22nds was first? The Bobby Bermea uh, website comment was. Okay. Episode 98, you are cordially invited. This is so funny. My mother, no, I'm sorry, my other, besides the Destroyer, big if he's on the cover, I gotta buy the bag, Thor bad guy, is the Absorbing Man. Terrific villain. Maybe the best bad guy who's not some kind of scientific genius. I do like me some Absorbing Man. I do too. And the Destroyer. Whenever they show the Destroyer in the Thor movie, I was like, oh my gosh, that thing is so cool. Yeah. And I remember while it was while we were doing the Amazing Spider-Man Classics podcast and in the Spider-Man issue, one of those on sale now, you know, page full of Marvel covers mm-hmm. had the first Destroyer appearance. And I was like, I should go read that. Uh, Bobby says, I always thought that Thor fixing his hammer at a steel factory or whatever was more of a shout out to working people indicating that the work they do is on par with the trolls that conversely, like if my hammer breaks, I don't take it to a steel making plant to fix it. So fixing Thor's hammer is more akin to building a car or some other machine. Listening to you guys though, I agree it would have made more sense to have Thor take the hammer back to the guy who made it to get it fixed. Maybe give it an instruction manual in case of bifurcation by super villain. Do this. <laughs> like, like my harmonica, which also controls the weather came with a <laughs> manual on how to clean it. <laughs> Great cover, by the way. Oh, that's good stuff. I feel like if his Thor, if the Thor hammer broke today, that'd be a big deal. And it just, yeah. they just didn't make it a very big deal. Like he didn't have to go back home or anything. It wasn't a big right. deal to break it. It wasn't a big deal to put it back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you have, do you have the wedding? I have the wedding. Also, Bobby, I 100% agree with Michael. Excellent start. I 100% agree with Michael about the wedding issue, and I think 10-year-old me did too. I didn't read this issue when I was a kid, but I did read Fantastic Four number 100, which will take a similar approach and try to throw every villain the Fantastic Four had ever faced at them, and it just doesn't work. By trying to honor everyone, they honor no one. 
I remember being disappointed because, say, it might take several issues to beat a given bad guy normally, but in that one issue, Doctor Doom gets beat in a single panel. Of course, they were also puppet master puppets, but still underwhelming. Yup. I like the point that normally it takes an entire issue to beat each of these guys, Mm -hmm. and yet we're just whipping through them like they're nothing. Mm -hmm. Good point, good point, good point. Um, I have Chris on February 24th. Yeah, episode 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris says, hi. Not sure if someone else has pointed this out, but in episode 11, you guys were discussing Stan Lee referring to Jack Kirby as Jackson and wondering why. Stan Lee got that from a radio show called The Jack Benny Show. Jack Benny was a very famous comedian in his day. One of the members of the cast of that show was a man named Phil Harris, and Harris would call Jack Benny Jackson. Good mm. show. Thank you. I had no idea. Me neither. But I also don't great. remember this Jackson reference at all. So I do. I do. I okay. was in a um, credits box, maybe. Okay. Or it might've been the next issue, but I don't know. At some point he did. Oh no. It was, um, it was in the fantastic four issue where Stan and Jack oh, are there. Right. And Dr. Doom goes to visit them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I have February 29th, Tim yes. Logan. Okay. Before Logan came out, I went on a mini binge in Marvel Unlimited to prepare, reading the original Old Man Logan story and the first appearance of X twenty three. I kind of had to do that as I haven't been reading. I hadn't been reading any X Men in a while, and those were some great comics. So that was fun. And this movie, whoa, it was freaking amazing. As usual, you guys got almost all of my likes. I also really dug the meta context of the mutant kids using comic books to find their sanctuary. That felt so right. Jeez, almost to Dark Phoenix, the X-Men I ha- movie I haven't seen. Or maybe Professor X wiped it from my mind. Hmm. Thanks for another great discussion, gang. I wonder what he thought of our um, Dark <laughs> Phoenix discussion. Or what he thought of the movie. I guess we'll, we'll probably find out, I'm guessing. Um, the, the thing about the Old Man Logan comics is like how much they weren't in any way related to the Logan movie. Yeah, I've read that Old Man Logan series and it was not... At all, the movie really. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a fun series. It's definitely mm-hmm. worth reading. But like, you couldn't make a the, movie out of that. N- not easily, no. And the only thing they have in common is the fact that Logan is old. Yeah, because yeah, that 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 comic had Hulk in it, and as the villain, and and uh, 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 Logan was not ailing, as far as I remember. So right, it was a lot different. Okay, just before I finish this uh, podcast with the last uh, comment from Tim, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a review that came out in January, and I missed it earlier. Um, So, I.E. Becerra wrote in saying, five stars, awesome. Just found this podcast, and I love it. I started my own crazy quest to read the Marvel Universe from the beginning, so finding this podcast where I can read along is great. Already 30 episodes in, and I can... And all I can say is keep up the great work, guys. You are both awesome. Yay. that? He thinks I'm awesome. I wonder if he's reading the Westerns and stuff, too. Mm. Is anyone out there in listener land doing a read-through project along with the show, but reading all the other Marvel stuff, too? Yeah. I want to know. Me, too. Right in. Podcast at MakeOursMarvel.com. Okay, final feedback of the episode. We're going to wrap up February of 2020 with... uh, Episode 98, You Are Cordially Invited, from Tim Price. Fantastic Four, Annual 3, The Wedding Day. 
I really need to rewatch those Marvel superheroes cartoons. I watched them as reruns on TV as a kid, but not since. And yes, I remember the Submariner episode. The bit where Iceman pushes the Moloids back into the ground is especially vivid. And now I know which comic that came from. Because from watching the show, I had no idea what was going on. And now it all makes sense, maybe? (laughs) Gotta say something about the cover. It's crazy that there are two Nick Furies. It is another, like, spelling confusion. Furies, Furies is. Um, When it comes to proper names like that, Tim, I think the official rule is don't change the spelling, but I don't know. Sergeant Fury. Proud feet. Oh, yeah, right? (laughs) Sergeant Fury is at the top near the logo, and Colonel Fury of S.H.I.E.L.D. near the bottom above Doctor Doom. If either of those characters is somebody else, I'd love to know who. But if I'm right, I guess Jack really liked Fury. So... I'm kind of glad that we apparently didn't get any flack over not really liking the FF annual. Uh Uh-huh. Because I kind of feel like that's one of those really beloved annuals, and we just really did not enjoy it. No, we did not. Thor 120. Maybe you guys talked about this, but Thor's hammer is made of Uru, right? So where did he get more Uru to fix it with? Unless Uru is just Asgardian's name for steel. It is not. But... This might be the setup for Avengers 192 to 193, where a steel worker was given a chunk of Uru by Thor and bad things happen. Looking forward to your coverage of those issues. I might still have all my teeth by then. We're almost there. Don't don't lose your teeth, man. They're good. They're important. Tales to Astonish 72, those diamonds that Namor finds. Are they the same diamonds from FF number one that blinded the Mole Man? Actually, I've decided they are. And that's awesome. The, the Yeah, the dazzling diamonds trap that he, like, is one of the traps on the quest. After the seaweed monster, that. he goes into a cave and there was, like, the dazzling diamonds. And then FF number one, Mole Man had, like, the valley of diamonds that, like, blinded him or something. I don't know. Yeah, but Mole Man's already blind, so that makes sense. And those diamonds in Submariner's thing were sucking his soul or something well, like that. Maybe Mole Man's soul has already been sucked. Uh, maybe. Hulk and the leader. I could get into parts of the story, which is pretty good, but with some wonkiness on Hulk not changing back to Banner. But I just realized this could be changed into a sitcom, and that tickles me too much. The Gamma Couple. One's an evil genius, one's a destructive powerhouse. Can two irradiated men share a secret lair without driving each other crazy? Plus, Tony Randall and Jack Klugman are perfect casting. (laughs) I'd watch it. I would. (laughs) Definitely young me would watch it in reruns. Right after um, Three's Company and... Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. X-Men 13, Juggernaut. More like Juggernaut, am I right? (laughs) Do you think he meant to do the same joke twice, or do you think he forgot he did the same joke Uh, before? I don't know. (laughs) In spite of the nonsensical decisions, it was pretty good, but I'm still stymied about what what they do with Juggernaut after knocking him unconscious. Is he still lying on the floor? Did they just pull a rug over him and pretend he's not there? Can they really just turn him over to the cops? I guess this will be explained in the next issue. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. They're still working on that. Yeah. Oh, and great to see Juggernaut's force field. In those Spider-Man issues, Spidey's webbing couldn't stick to Jugs thanks to that field. Impressive that it was a thing from the beginning. And such a great way to thank the Torch for helping out. I'm going to mind wipe you. But I know how I, g- I won't know how I got here. It'll seem like I have blackouts. Oh, it's fine. Besides, you've been hit in the head lots of times. It'll just be diagnosed as head trauma. Wait, what? Forget! 
In the immortal words of Kitty Pride, Professor Xavier is a jerk. <laughs> yes, he yes, is. Yes. But so is Reed, so Johnny's used to it. Johnny really is. I'm sure that if Reed could wipe Johnny's mind on a regular basis, <laughs> it would be happening. It would be happening. After every adventure. Right? Johnny, never do that again. In that fact, was too let's traumatic just for a teenager. I'm going to wipe your brain again. No. Oh, yeah. Until Sue, next time. get over here next. <laughs> right? <laughs> the same thing. Reed Richards with too much power is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Oh, that's where you get ultimate Reed Richards, who became ultimate doom. Oh, wow. Um, until next time, or until an Avengers wedding is interrupted by the just as dangerous as Doctor Doom circus of crime, make mine, make ours marvel. Sure. All right. Well, we're still not close to where we are, but we're closer. Yeah, we are in, let's see, it's late August. This is end of February, so that's only six months behind. Uh Uh-huh. We can catch up. We can. If we do two months every month, we'll be caught up in six months. Okay. (laughs) Wow. That's how math works. Well, maybe we don't have so much in some months, so it'll go faster. Well, we'll see. Maybe. Not that we want that. Anyway. No, we definitely don't want to run out of feedback. That's the thing. We just want to get feedback that's a little bit closer to our current state. So, want to tell them where they can where they can find us and stuff? Oh, do we do that on these specials, or do we just say goodbye? Or just like how they can send us emails. Oh, you can send us. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. If you want to contribute to a show like this and send us emails so that we can read them on the show, podcast at makearsmarvel.com. Or if you don't want to remember that because you're driving around and don't have a notepad and don't, don't drive and write, uh, just go to makearsmarvel.com and there's a contact form right there on the website. You can just fill out and it will get to us. Um, over on the feed right now is episode 129. Uh, no, that's not right. It's not 129. It's something older. It's 120 something. Anyways, uh, so whatever's on the feed right now, go listen to it. Uh, it'll be very entertaining. And then you can write us an email about it and this whole vicious cycle will continue. It should be 124 if we are doing our jobs right, but that doesn't always happen. We'll okay, see. what was 124? One, oh, 124, full crossover achievement unlocked. Yeah. It's either that one or it's 125. The claw. Oh, one boy. or the other. Yeah. One or the other, depending on when, how quickly I get this out the door. Yeah. All right. So thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.